This belongs in a museum. Media Masterminds. We are back with another best and worst. And joining me this week is a returning co-host. Not Mr. Benny Rose, but a special, very special episode here with Dr. Joe, the multiverse master. I haven't seen you in a week's time. (laughs) Oh, it's been a week's time. But uh, we're back with another best and worst episode. This is one I've had on the docket for a while, and we wanted to bring in the expertise from uh, Joe for this episode. Oh, I'm no expert. Uh, I'm Paul, obviously. I didn't do my usual spiel. Benny usually does the intros for our best, our other non-standard formatted shows. So this is not the normal realm for me but this week we are going to be covering the best and worst of El Senor Spielbergo Mr. Burns's favorite uh, director uh, Steven Spielberg his best and worst of the films that we have seen because I have not seen his full library of movies but the best and worst so we'll pick three each of our bottom of the Burgo and our top three of the Burgo. I think we will have some overlapping movies, but I probably will surprise Joe with some of my picks. And I think he may su- might uh, surprise me with some of his, but we'll see. I guess that's the fun of the show unraveling. So Joe, are you, are you prepared? Are you r- familiar with how we, how we stagger these or you need a little. Give me, give me a refresher. You go three okay. worst and then three best, right? Yes. Okay. Right, so we we'll, we will start from our best of the worst. So we'll go down, you know, not the worst of the worst, not our worst, our least favorite. We will start from our third, from the bottom. Gotcha. Go down from there, back and forth between the two of us, and then we will go the other way for our our favorite. So we'll go number three, number two, number one, number one. for our okay. favorite. Gotcha. So I guess I'll kick off then with the least favorite the our best of the worst movies and this movie isn't really a terrible movie i was just disappointed by it i think when it came out came out in 2005 uh, i think spielberg's movies his best movies are behind him i don't uh most of his stuff that's come out recently i have not been a big fan of but this one i was really looking forward to based on the trailers some of it was shot in our hometown of staten island this is uh, War of the Worlds, which was uh, a, a lonely uh, hype, that I guess you would say, that he was going to actually touch on this. You know, uh, stars Tom Cruise in it, Dakota Fanning. It's got some other uh, Tim Robbins in it. The The main point of that the aliens weakness is water was so weak. And it started like the momentum of the movie just starts so good. And he's done some great alien movies. I mean, between Close Encounters and E.T. I mean, I was just really let down by this movie. Where where do you fall with uh, War of the Worlds? Is it on your list? I'm sure it's probably not. Oh, it's so bad. I never even watched it. (laughs) So it's not on your list then. Um. Spielberg's a type of director where I don't think he's good at adapting material. 
that's not really mm. Mm. really really mm. <laughs> um really well, I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree then because I have another movie a little later on that we'll have to foreshadow about, I guess. He's uh, He's got some stinkers, but War of the Worlds, um, didn't the aliens and signs, weren't they allergic to water too? Yes. What, what are we doing? We don't even know what aliens are allergic to. <laughs> was it water in War of the Worlds? I think it was. I think it still was water. I don't. You might be mixing them up, actually. I, I, there was something that was horrible that kills them all, and I'm pretty sure it was water. I don't know. I've never seen it. I've never seen Signs either. <laughs> Signs is a better movie. Definitely a creepier, better movie. I'm not surprised though. War of the Worlds being your, your almost uh, your least of the worst. It definitely is the bottom pile. I would I would think based off of word of mouth and uh, the reviews, but I agree with you with Spielberg. He's been on a downward trajectory like this rocket that's going to crash into God knows what part of the Earth this weekend. Um, it looks like I did a quick search on Google, and it looks like they die from uh, just Earth's germs and diseases, which is maybe even more more of a cop out than water. Is that supposed to be like uh, I don't know? like in reference to when uh, people came to Americas and they killed the Native Americans with like disease. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I, I, I've I never dove into the lore of it, but I don't even, is that the, probably not. Like, is is the story fully fleshed, fleshed out from like the H.G. Wells? You know, this is this is where this originated from and, and the, yeah. the radio uh, play, I guess you would call it back in the day where people thought really that aliens were attacking, right? Yeah. That's what it's infamous for. Yeah, I'm not I'm not quite sure, but I'm not really surprised of of that kind of pick. Like I've never met somebody say, "Oh, you know what's a great Spielberg movie? War of the Worlds." <laughs> Nobody says that. Nobody. Nobody, yeah. And the the like the main highlight of it now at this point in 2021 is that the Universal Backlot Tour in Hollywood Universal Studios has like some of the scene from one of the big where like the plane crashed and it, it they have it on the backlot tour. That's like not the not doing draw. that movie any favors. <laughs> All right, so that would be my best of the worst, which I didn't really do a good job selling it even as the best of the worst. Uh, but what what would be your number three best of the worst? The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Wow, I I couldn't I couldn't get myself to put a Jurassic Park movie in the bottom, but go ahead. It is, and I feel an unnecessary sequel. I feel like the whole point of the movie is to get a dinosaur on the mainland amongst the population of any country. Um, besides Goldblum, Goldblum doesn't even feel like he's the same type of character that he was in the first Jurassic Park. Um, the kid doing acrobatics, the, I mean, the, the effects are nice, but like, no, none of the characters are very good. It's like a, it's like a shell of its, of the, of its predecessor. First it's, movie, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, the first movie is so good and it, it, you know, it raises a lot of questions about, you know, science and what people should do and this and that. And this movie, it's just like the people don't learn anything, which I guess is, you know, there's a social commentary to be made of that, but it's just, I feel like the whole movie is driven to just get those dinosaurs into America. And it's just. Isn't, isn't the people not learning the theme of every one of the movies, even the ones that he didn't direct. They really didn't, they haven't really expanded on the the theming of those movies. Yeah, I mean that thread is in every single one, even like uh, the newer ones with Chris Pratt. But I mean, like it just it just feels very forced, and it's not good. It's like they had like really good ideas that they probably couldn't flesh out. I feel like in the first Jurassic Park, and then they're like, you know what else we should do? throw them into the United States. Let's see how that goes. That's that's their big climax scene. Yeah, and it's just it's not it's not not one of his best movies. It's the best of his worst. Wow. I you know, I just couldn't I I I love dinosaurs too much, I guess to put it. It it's not definitely not in the top of my list. It was actually my my least favorite Jurassic Park movie until the most recent uh, Jurassic World, uh, Fallen, Fallen Kingdom, Kingdom, I think it was, right? Yeah that, yeah, that was that was the real stinker. So that took over my least favorite, and I like three actually more than two, but he didn't direct three either way, so doesn't matter. But I I think your your all your opinions are valid. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. It does feel like an unnecessary movie. Goldblum does not feel like the same character because he's unlikable in the first movie, deliberately. I think. He redeems un- himself to, as the movie builds, but you know, generally he's unlikable as it starts out, right? I mean, he's eccentric. I wouldn't call him unlikable, but like his his character kind of is laying out the the warnings, and the people are not heeding it. And as the movie goes on, he's proven correct, but he's not he's not gloating. This, I feel like, yeah. I feel like he's just in there. He doesn't he doesn't come off the same. He's just you know. It's like they needed one of the characters to come back and they put him in. He was the only one they could get. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's just not good. Not, not a good movie. What's funny is that, and I'm not a big literary guy, but I know that the the second one is also based on an actual book, but I think the the book has a better write-up in history than the movie does. So not to go too far off topic, the book was made because of the movie. In the original Jurassic Park novel, he dies, Malcolm. I gotcha. And so does uh, Hammond. So like oh, Hammond uh, dies in the beginning of this movie, anyway. Right? Doesn't he no, die he doesn't. He, no, he he lives. He lives till the end of it. Oh, uh, he's just do- dead in Jurassic World then. Yeah. Um. So the the novel is kind of made because of the movie and they kind of had to explain that he didn't really die in Jurassic Park and that's how he's in the Lost World novel because then the novel wouldn't make any sense like how he's in Oh, it. I didn't really even know all of those details but I, I thought that the second book was more not not more popular than the first book obviously but I thought it was more well received than the movie was but maybe that's not the case then. I mean it, it could be. Well, wasn't but... some of the first book 
not not in the first movie and then used in the second movie yeah it takes a lot of elements from the from the original Jurassic Park novel and incorporates it into this one so but like the novel was really the genesis of it is because they wanted to make a sequel to this because the original novel is just I think the dinosaurs end up end up dying off or something mm. in the novel. I guess it's something to actually look back and go through. Yeah, but uh, it's an, an interesting pick. I guess I'll go with my next. This is my. This one was close to just to being my worst, my least favorite, and I think it's probably on your list also. This is another more recent. It's from two thousand eight, starring Harrison Ford. Kate Blanchett, everyone's favorite Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> this is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Talk about an unnecessary sequel. This is the definition of an unnecessary sequel. And we may be getting another. Hopefully it's not as unnecessary as this, but this is a real stinker. It starts off promising to me, at least at the, they're at the warehouse and it has more of the vibe of the other Indiana Jones movies a little bit and then it just goes off the rails there's, there's a, a ton of unneeded cgi with all these monkeys and then they have this they're looking for, the crystal skull story to me is just is not good i mean it's it's 2000s george lucas all over it it's just i know he's involved in the other movies as well but it's a different era george lucas and this is the prequels era george lucas and Spielberg, I, I don't know if he's just cashing a paycheck, but he doesn't take his spin on these. It doesn't even feel like it belongs in the same world with the other Indiana Jones movies. You can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Well, you know, you know, you know, you take the chicken salad. And so is this on your bottom of the list? It actually isn't. And wow. 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 Yeah. As Owen Wilson would say. It's, I'm surprised. It's really bad movie, but I don't really. It's hard. It, I, I kind of am the opinion of it's bad, but it's not bad because of Spielberg. I feel like the the, the issues, writing and everything else. The issues with that movie are mostly on the writing, and it's you know. He, Lucas and Spielberg have like a long relationship, so it's kind of hard yeah. to tell tell your friend like you wrote a really shitty screenplay and I don't <laughs> want to film it. There are um, there I, are I, there I, are some parts that are like that are like good. I don't like the whole alien subplot of the skull. the The villains are not great. Um, the beginning, like you said, is good. Ray Winstone, he's okay, but like he, there's too many double crosses for his character. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like when he goes searching in uh, in South America, and they come across like all those like guys that are hunting them down and stuff. That felt like in like the Indiana Jones vein of like those booby traps and stuff like that. So there's parts of the movie that are good, and then there's other parts that are terrible. Well, I will say in no world to me, obviously, because the list is the list of what we're, we're making here is no way Lost World is worse than Indy 4. In my opinion, obviously, we do not agree on that. 
but this is like the either the beginning or very early on the trend of long awaited sequels that has to tie in oh you're his long lost son or daughter it's a trope that is so unneeded it's so overdone I can't stand when these sequels do that. I mean, we just saw it coming to America sequel. It does the same exact thing. All these movies that have long awaited sequels have to do the same exact thing. Oh, it's the kid. Like you don't need to do that just because you're making a sequel. And I understand that the people are older, but they don't have to have a long lost son or whatever. You can make it an original story following the act, whoever's coming over from the original movie and not have to have uh, the younger next generation because it never works out. The younger next generation never take over. No. Bill and Ted did the same thing with their their kids in the movie. It just they weren't the focal point of the movie like Shia LaBeouf is in Indy Four. But this is just my me getting on the soapbox ranting because this is something that I, like I feel like we're seeing way too much with where they have the next generation coming in and the long awaited sequel. You might have sold me to knock off Lost World and put in uh, Kingdoms of the Crystal Skull in there. Oh, wow. We might have the first change on the list, huh? Because now that I'm thinking about it, I probably watch Lost World over Crystal Skull. That's 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 the way I build these lists. I mean, go to the bottom of the list. Would I watch this again? So that's why this one moved. I get probably it's interchangeable with any of the three, the bottom three. But number one, my least favorite I've only watched once and I can't imagine me wanting to watch it again. So that's mm-hmm. why it's the number one, but what's your number? Your, your second from the worst. 1941. I've never seen it. So sell Spiel- me on it. Spielberg or not sell me on it. <laughs> I'm going to give you the premise of the movie. You have the hot director coming off of jaws and you have Belushi, Aykroyd, John Candy, all these guys that were blowing up in like in the 70s in SNL and and comedy. And it just proves that Spielberg can't do comedy and he should he 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 hasn't ever since this movie. He has and I'm just like scratching the surface of the amount of like comedians he has in it. And it's just a terrible movie. It's super long. It's like, I think it's like two hours, well, maybe more than two hours. And historically, any comedy that's more than two hours is is no good. It's too long. It's uh, hour and a half is what, you know, like the perfect yeah. time for a comedy. It's, you know, based off of its title, it takes place on the Pacific coast in California during World War II, and there's a lot of um, paranoia over the Japanese invading the the West Coast. Um, and it's just a bunch of, like, it's just, it tries to, like, set up a bunch of, like, skits and, like, storytelling, and it just doesn't pan out. It's just really bad. It's, it's just awful. Don't, don't even watch it. Just pretend like you didn't even make it. I didn't realize all of... I know uh, uh, Belushi was in it, but I didn't realize John Candy and Dan Aykroyd were in it as well. So yeah. that, that semi-interested me, and then you, you just continued you, to do, shit on it, so I don't would, know. If... Do you want me to rattle off the rest of the cast? 
No, I don't. I mean, if it, it's on your bottom of the list. So, I mean, we could save the accolades for the, the top of the list, I guess. And what's even crazier is I believe there's a director's cut and it does nothing for it. And Robert Zemeckis was one of the writers of the movie. Bef- the pre-Back to the Future. Yes. So you have a ton of amazing talent and this movie is atrocious. That that that's a trend though, even with the worst movies, because like we just did, you know, Lost World, Indy Indy Four, War of the Worlds. I mean, say whatever you will about uh, Tom Cruise's personal life, he doesn't make a lot of bad movies. Uh, yeah, bad? I mean, he, he I, I wouldn't say bad. There is there's stuff that right. he does that I don't I don't care for, but yeah, yeah, that's more personal preference. It's not like oh this this movie is awful because right. he's in it. And he's usually not in box office bombs also. No, he's not. I'm not saying War of the Worlds was, but... Yeah, but this thing, it's like you have all this amazing comedy talent, and it's like... Is it just not funny? It's it's very weird. Like, I'll give you one example. So, like, the people are very paranoid that the Japanese are going to, like, invade. So, Ned Beatty is... Um, is in it. He's so paranoid. He has like a howitzer gun on his front lawn to fire at the Japanese if the Japanese are showing up with submarines outside of his house because he's facing the beach. And it's like, and you also have Belushi. And I don't even think him and him and Dan Aykroyd share any scenes in this movie at all, if I'm remembering right. It's like crazy. He plays like kind of like a a pilot who's like. I don't want to say he's drunk, but he's like out there. So just, is it is it Spielberg taking all these slapstick sketch actors and trying to do a Mel Brooks movie? I I, I guess you could say that, but I mean, like the face you just made was like the face that Chugs makes after he has a he has the Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I wonder if like his mindset was like after he did Jaws that he thought he could wrangle together all these, all these comedians and pull off like a fucking two and a half hour comedy movie that takes place during World War II. And it's just, it's just not good. Not the whole, <laughs> the whole thing is just not good. Quickly. It's not on any streaming services either, so you'd you'd have to go out of your way to to purchase it or torrent uh, it if you still do in that in that field. This is how bad it is. It takes place at Christmas time. I don't include it in my holiday movie watching schedule. <laughs> That's how like awful it is. I mean, it's on the bottom of the barrel. It's almost your worst. Yeah. So let's go to my worst, and I, I this might be one of the rare shows where we don't have any. One of our tops has to match. One of our top ones, I think, have to at least. But the worst, in my opinion, is another 2000s era. All minor in the 2000s era. So it's 2012. This is a, actually a well, uh, highly recommended, uh, critically acclaimed uh, film, actually. And it won uh, some awards. It was nominated for Oscars and the uh, one best actor. It stars Daniel Day-Lewis, 
Sally Field, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, James Spader, Tommy Lee Jones. And it is a, a biographical drama based after one of our former presidents, Lincoln. Have you seen this film? No, I haven't. It bored the fucking shit out of me. It was so boring. It felt like nothing happened in it. Uh, I like Daniel Day-Lewis and stuff, but he could have put me to sleep as Lincoln in it. And he looks the part. It is just one boring fucking movie. It didn't feel like anything happened in it. It just seemed like a safe portrayal of the president. And I feel like Lincoln is a very boring person to begin with. I mean, he has the right. he has the unfortunate pleasure of being the only president to preside over a civil war in this country, and you know there's, there's a lot not of even a whole lot. There's not, there's not even very much action in the movie either. I mean, there's a little bit, but you're following him after when he's the president so it's i was i don't know i was just bored to death with this movie and i would not recommend it to anyone to watch i mean lincoln's one of uh the the favorite presidents i guess you would say of people so maybe that's why it's got such high regards and high critical acclaim and daniel day lewis is good in it i mean it's just the story was not for me i I, it just was not for me. I don't know. I, it didn't. It didn't look appealing when it came out, so I never really bothered to seek it out, and I never heard anyone really talk about it right. being a good movie. So it just fell to the wayside. Yeah, I mean, I I like Daniel Day Lewis, and then this is probably like almost the ending point for me for Spielberg. Like if Spielberg's name was attached to something, it's like oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna still see it. And then yeah. after this, I think that trend sort of died. I haven't seen a lot of his newer stuff. And I know there's apparently some good stuff with Tom Hanks in it more recently that I just haven't seen. And I will someday, but I, I, I've been, you know, I feel like just disappointed with, with his stuff recently that I'm not going to go out of my way based on name alone to go see anything. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think besides Ruggie Player One, I haven't seen any, like a lot of his, right. like stuff in like the two thousands. It's like crazy. It's like it's it, he could have retired and it wouldn't have even affected my, my viewing, of movies because it's like he's like not even a factor in them. Yeah, I, think I agree. That. The Ready Ready Player One, I mean, which is technically his last movie that's come out as of we're aware recording this. West Side Story is his next film, which is still an odd pick. Uh, that will be his next film. It's not out yet, but Ready Play One is his last film, which I saw also. Uh, but before that, I'm just looking through the list here. The Post, uh, BFG, Bridge of Spies, then Lincoln, War Horse, Adventures of Tintin. I saw that. <laughs> he can't, Joe he shaking can't, his head. He can't do animation either. I- Indiana Jones and the K- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, Munich, mm-hmm. which was supposed to be good. I've never seen it. War of the Worlds, The Terminal. You know, it, it was, uh, it's a been, it's been a steady decline. Yeah, it has. Time for the glue factory for Spielberg. <laughs> and most of these are all safe, right? They're not, he's not really trying anything 
different. Whereas you look at some of his old stuff and stuff I'm sure we're going to talk about in his top movies were not safe. You know, they weren't. I don't want to give away any of the stuff, but he took chances. And as an up and coming director, you would think it'd be the reverse. Once you're established, you can make those weird things that veer off. And I mean, I guess Adventures of Tintin was that, right? Because that's a animated CG uh, movie. Yeah, and so's and so's uh, BFG, which I've never seen, which bombed, I think, right? Yeah. And you have West Side Story coming out, which is a musical, which is something he's never. He's yeah, never but I don't think that's a. Is that really a gamble? Taking an established story of West Side Story and making a movie, anyone could have directed that. Uh, we'll we'll see how that turns out, but um, oh. like when you originally pitched this idea of doing Spielberg and another director who I won't say the name because I don't know if we want to allude to it. We, we, we teased future, future projects, even if they never end up happening, it's fine. So you, you had, you threw out him, you threw out Spielberg and you threw out Scorsese. And I went through both of their filmographies and Scorsese has less movies than Spielberg. And they roughly been in the business around the same time. But I feel like I struggled more with Scorsese with like his worst because even like his worst movie picks are not really that bad. That bad compared to Spielberg. Like the Spielberg ones were like easy to like run through. Like boom, boom, boom. Like I I didn't even I didn't even have to look like at the filmography to really pick bad ones. Like with Scorsese, I had to like sit down and like look through it and see if like, you know, if I was missing anything or, you know, it was, that was a much harder list to compile. But like, I mean, my, my worst stuff is like, has been pretty varied and, you know, it's not all newer stuff like, like yours has, but I mean, his, his decline has been like, (laughs) so he's, He's he's more prone to making safer movies, and I kind of feel like maybe that's why he's been making stuff that's like not resonating with people anymore because he's just not. He's out of touch. Yeah, he's out of touch in his so, million home, and I'm in my house. <laughs> what what? So let's go to your your worst. What's what's your worst? I'm intrigued. What's your worst Spielberg? My worst is from that time period you just described. It's the terminal with Tom Hanks. <sighs> yeah, it's based on a true story, but I mean, I don't know if it's Hanks with that awful accent <laughs> or the story is just terrible. It's just like, come on, man. What if this guy's like trapped in an airport and I'm supposed to sit through this shit for like two hours and listen to Tom Hanks sound like a fucking like a caricature of like a Eastern European person. What, like, what are we doing here? I mean, I, wa- I watched it once and I'm like, I will never watch this again. <laughs> I've only watched parts of it. I've never watched the whole thing, but I remember it, it being very cringy. The, 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 the accent Hanks gives in it. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. I feel like the whole thing was very self-indulgent. Like, Hey, you know what? Here's Tom Hanks. He's a fucking superstar. Talk with this atrocious accent. Try to try to get on with Catherine Zeta Jones as like a <laughs> as like a about to call her a waitress 
as a flight attendant and you're stuck in this airport. It was just, <laughs> it was just bad. This was like a bad choice of like a, a, a story to adapt to a movie. Awful. Yeah. I've never seen it fully. And I can't, but I, shocker that we have completely different bottom bottom of the barrel films so we each gave a little bit of a different spin on our likes and dislikes but i could see why this is the bottom there's a reason i've never sat down and watched it because it does not look good and the little that i've seen of it was not good i think it's still he tries to work in the airport i think or some shit that's some that's some of what i've seen was him working in the airport it was some quote i can't even remember now but it was a quote that i used to use in passing when we worked at the retail and then the ending is so stupid. Uh, if I'm remembering the ending right, I think like he could finally leave the airport and he decides that he's going to stay there. What are you doing? <laughs> so you waited two hours to figure out he's just going to stay there anyway. Yeah. So terrible, awful movie. I am Job. He's so, oh, so bad. <laughs> it's a, it's a race to the bottom. I that might be, that might be or Lincoln is the worst. That might be my worst Tom Hanks movie also. Yeah, I haven't thought about Tom Hanks movies for this list because it's tough to find bad, bad Tom Hanks movies. But this might this might be it. This might be the king. <laughs> might have to add that to our list of potential shows because Tom Hanks has a good filmography to pick from. Yeah, he does. We might get some overlapping stuff like this, though. Yeah, this is just awful. <laughs> Disgusting. All right. So let's move on. Let's let's move away from the negativity and the hate and we'll move towards the positive. The good the good Spielberg. The when when everyone thought he might direct the Star Wars movie Spielberg when he was at the top of his game. So I have one honorable mention. I don't know. You said you you might have honorable mentions. I do. I have like three. But if we have to <laughs> cut it down, that's fine. I think uh Maybe make it two. That's three, fine, is, whatever. three is kind of a stretch, but I mean, we're just talking one extra movie. You can mention them all. This is not, we're not fucking that strict. And uh, if this one isn't on your list, I don't know. I don't know you, I guess, anymore. But you may be surprised that it's an honorable mention and not in my top. But Jaws is my honorable mention. It is not in my top three. Just falls outside of it. We're going to need a bigger list. We're going to need a bigger list if it makes it. That's my honorable mention. All right. Here's my three honorable mentions, and we don't have to go into them. Uh, Hook. Because it's it's good. It's not his best, but there's like some childhood attachment to it. So Uh, catch me if you can. Another good movie. You know, he gets to work with Hanks and Leo kind of when Leo's in his just breaking uh, in. Yeah, his to the moon trajectory. Um Doggy coin. Yeah. And uh Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Okay. It's it's not as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's probably like the second best Indiana Jones movie. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't fall on that. I maybe need to rewatch it again because I still like, I like them in order. So I like Last Crusade, uh, last of the three, I guess you would say. 
I think so I, I like think it's, Lost I think Ark it's, and then Temple of Doom. I think it's better than Temple of Doom. I, I, I need to rewatch. It's been a while since I watched the beginning to end. The the chemistry with Connery and Ford is very good, and the Nazis just make better. Yeah, better enemies. villains. Yeah, Junior. Uh, I'm not gonna. Uh, let's. Uh, uh, there's more to be discussed with some of those other things. I think because my top may have included those. So why don't you do your number three pick? My number three pick is Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, it ties right into your honorable mention, right? So yeah, it's yeah, it's such a good movie. I could sit down and watch it just about any time, and just I can't even just like watch like a couple minutes of it. I'll end up sitting through the whole thing. You know, it's got a lot of action adventure. It's stylized over like the vintage like adventure movies and shows of when Spielberg was like growing up. I've never seen them, so I have no like you know, that's not really a point of reference for me. But it's been, you know, he's like he pulls stuff from like like Scrooge comics, which I'm a fan of, which then it's funny, like he pulls like some of the adventures stuff that Scrooge does from the comics. And then Disney swipes it back from Spielberg and throws it into like DuckTales like later on. And like the whole thing with like the religious artifacts and like it gets like into the supernatural and it's the backdrop of like the like the really like kind of like the earlier parts of World War II before like the US involvement is like full blown like the movie like you could tell like the government's kind of getting their feet wet in it and like Ford kind of breaks out from his, his Han Solo, you know, persona. And like, he like, to me, like Ford is Indiana Jones. He like, he takes the role, he owns it. You know, there's not going to be someone who can do it. And honestly, like when I think of Ford, I don't even like it's funny because he's like in Star Wars and I don't even think of him as Han Solo. Like he's like Indiana Jones. That's like it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like I just said before, when you were honorable mention, this is my favorite of the Indiana Jones movies. It's not on my list. It would be my next honorable mention because I agree with you. He is uh, Indy and that's what probably his most iconic performance and role i i do think of i solo's just under the under it but if you think of ford immediately in your head you think of the hat the fucking whip you think of indy uh i was gonna say something else you know what I, someone else uh, i don't know where i heard it it was, it was a podcast or an article or a movie or something but it made an interesting point like the ending of this movie he has real no no influence on the end of the movie the ending of the movie would happen regardless if he was there or not. And I don't know if the, I don't know if the pitch was the whole movie would happen regardless of him. Cause I don't agree on that. Cause he, he's uh, instrumental in finding the arc, but I, the whole end of the movie would happen regardless if he was there or not. I, th- I think that because he's like a scholar, he's kind of a couple of steps ahead of the Nazis with what is going to end up happening once they open the arc. Yeah. It, I mean, it doesn't take away anything from me, but it did make an interesting 
point that I never thought about before. When you, I mean, it's something to think about when you rewatch the movie, I guess. And I was like, oh, I guess this would all just still happen regardless if he was there or not. I mean, argument could be made that like he doesn't have to get involved with the with with the arc. He could kind of just tail them and wait for them to get wiped out by it. But I kind of feel like the whole the whole subplot of like Marion getting caught up with the with the Nazis, that's really it's like kind of like a shift in like what he's going after. Like the arc is like a as what they call in the movie business, the MacGuffin. That's what they're after. Right. But like at that point of the movie when the Nazis get the arc back, he's he kind of, and he kind of comes off like he's not really after it at that point. He's just trying to save her from them. Yeah. When he when he pulls a bazooka true. out on them, so it's kind of like his motivations are different. And then you know, he kind of he kind of knows what's coming for them once they open that thing up. So he's kind of got it in the bag at that point. Maybe that's why he kind of like he lets them call his bluff with a bazooka, you know, he, he knows that's like the only way out for the two of them and to like get the arc back. All right. I, I, I like the pick. I'm not going to argue the pick. Uh, you haven't listened to the uh, sci-fi episode that we did, but it was one of Benny's picks that I could not agree with at all. And that was just the best ofs, but you got science fiction. Mm. Yeah. You got to go back and give it a listen. I'm not going to spoil it. But my uh, number three is one that a lot of people don't like. Spielberg himself in the past says he's not really a a big fan of it. Uh, More recently, he's opened up to being eh, maybe I'll go back and rewatch it. And maybe there's more appreciation for it more recently. But looking through it as I have with all these films, I pull up their Wikipedia just so I could get the time frame and the actors and everything that's in the, the film. And you look at the list of actors in it, they're all big names, especially for the time, but none of these people, I'm pretty sure none of these people were in any other Spielberg movies after, which makes me think that maybe they didn't get along on set. We know of one person on this movie that did not get along with, and that would be Julia Roberts. And this is, as you, your honorable mention of 1991's Hook, very torn people are between this film. It has a lot of childhood nostalgia to me as well. I remember watching this on VHS a ton. And then we've quoted it as adults forever now. For decades of adventures, we've <laughs> quoted. And death is the only adventure left for us now, which is another hook line. And I would love to see more of this. There's not a whole lot of behind the scenes from this movie. Uh, there's a couple deleted scenes. I, I Apparently, Julia Roberts was hell to work with, and they called her Tinker Hell on set. But it's funny. You think about Dustin Hoffman as, as Captain Hook, Robin Williams as Peter Pan. It has a cool story to me. An older Peter Pan that forgot about Neverland after he came, you know, he came home. And uh, Bob Hoskins as Mr. Smee. Maggie Smith as Granny Wendy. It's one of my favorite. It's a slow start for a, a, what is essentially a, a children's movie. Uh, but it it plays with tones that aren't really 
I don't think it's really a, a made for adult or made for children. That's probably where it struggled to 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 do what it was supposed to do. But I still like it. I really Dustin Hoffman's uh, D- Dustin Hoffman's uh, performance as Hook is is really good to me. It's one of my favorite performances, and it's so quotable. Yeah, and I think that you know people our age like besides growing up with the movie like i don't know about you but like like i i feel like when i watch the movie it like resonates with me like as you know now like you know i'm i'm a parent i'm an adult there's like all these responsibilities and it's like you know like he's playing a character that like had no responsibilities and then he's like thrown into the mix and then he's got to like come to terms with his freewheeling past. And like, as an adult, it like, as time goes on, it's like when we were working together, that was like literally a decade ago, maybe even more now, more more than a decade now. It was like, you're kind of like in that in between world where you're not quite responsible. Right. But you're not, you know, you're not a kid. So it's like, you're kind of like in a freewheeling kind of place in life. And I just watched it recently with my son because I was actually surprised he actually sat down and watched it because it wasn't dogs talking or or cars <laughs> or whatever. And he, like, it caught his attention. And, like, watching it now as, like, an adult, it's, like, it holds, you know, it touches different heartstrings now. And I've seen, and I saw Hook in the movie theater as a kid with my parents and yeah, I don't think uh, I did. and the kid I went to school with and I have a very vivid memory of something happening in the movie and I was like so entranced by it and I had the bucket of popcorn and I went like this and I swear that bucket of popcorn stayed in the air for like multiple <laughs> seconds and then it just crashed onto the floor everywhere and then my father flipped out because it was like oh you dropped all this popcorn it's so expensive and that wasn't even like how it is now, where it's like thirty dollars a bucket. <laughs> he probably would have beat me. Yeah, those. Are, I mean, those are the things that. That's why these these lists are are subjective, and it's the emotional ties to some of these things and previous best and worst. Uh, you know, you have you have connections from when you're a kid, and it, it's it's definitely not his best movie overall, but it's no. it brings you to a different world and it gives you a different taste on Peter Pan. And dare I say, none of these live-action Peter Pan movies that have come after have been any good. No, and this traditional, is not. Uh, it's a different story, and it's good. Going back to the people being difficult to work with, uh, I recently watched a clip of uh, Don Rickles at some, uh, some AFI gala for Shirley MacLaine, and he cracks a joke on julia roberts and these fucking people were in the know filming this shit they cut to spielberg and they catch they catch spielberg like laughing his ass off that (laughs) that rickles like ripped into her yeah and it's like and it's funny like you go like if you find it on youtube you go through the the comments and people like oh yeah look at Spielberg laughing about it. That's because she was such a bitch on hook and all this other stuff. So it's like, even if it was like not true, it's like in the pop culture that she's just a difficult person to work with. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's her reputation even now after that. Right. I mean, yeah. 
she's not in much recently, but that's been her reputation now for some time. Yeah. But Hook is one Hook is one that was gonna be one of my picks. You know, I don't know if I've ever done it on a show from the back in the day, which I like to call season one, but I mean Hook is I feel still an underrated movie that not everyone has seen, but of our generation it's a more a little bit more common. Yeah, I feel like older generations or even younger ones are just not gonna I don't know. Go out of their way, right? No. So Let's hear your uh, second. You're you're almost the best. Simply almost the best. My simply almost the best is Close I, Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, wow. I know you like that movie, but I wasn't expecting that. So I know you're number one then. Ah! <laughs> There's there's like a mystery and a magic to this movie and like growing up, I never really watched it because I was kind of like a little freaked out over the aliens in it. It's still a creepy movie. You like you watch it at night or if I watch it at night, it's like towards the end, it's very creepy when the alien reveal is because of the music and they're like, yeah, get the keyboard out, but it's like, it's like a really, it, it's like one of his riskier movies. You, you don't get the payoff till the end, and it's long. And it's just you know, a bunch of people coming together that have all experienced this close encounter. That's like what's kind of driving them. Like Richard Dreyfuss is in it. It, like it drives him to a point where like his family leaves him. And he doesn't even fight for it. It's like he's got like a greater calling that he needs to go find out like what's going on in life. And it, I feel like it's like science fiction and it's kind of like a little bit of horror. Going back to like our previous episode when we talked about Kong and Godzilla. You're shaking your yeah. head. Let me explain. I don't, I don't know about horror for this. I mean, the one like the scene where the mother from uh, Christmas Story is home with her son and like the aliens are trying to like get the kid and like all the lights are out and like the there's like fucking light shooting all over the house and they're like going through all the vents trying to get him. It's very like spooky and like the toys like turning on and going into his room it's, it's, and there's like uh, no reason to it. Similar to like Poltergeist. Yeah, kind of, which he's in, he was involved with also, but not directing. Uh, it's uh, it's it's funny because he, he Spielberg later on he said if he was making that movie now, he would not he wouldn't do it the same way. He wouldn't have Dreyfus like not fight for his family and like just go off onto the spaceship like as like a higher calling. So it's like funny like as a filmmaker he he personally has grown and he comes back to admit that he would not make the movie the same way but he leaves it as it is right and it's a lot of times when these filmmakers decide they want to go back to these things they don't make the movie any better when they want to change it that's no, why i think you know and i feel like not move that way i feel like this movie is like it's like he finds his formula of like fantasy and 
you know, all these other elements that like he would later end up using in other films. And I feel like this is like the, like the, like the birth of it. And like, like he, he like kind of crafts it all in this movie and you see these kind of threads go on in the, in future films. I feel like, like if you, if you had to put like, like, like you said, subjective, but I feel like this is like one of his like must watch movies. Like if you were doing like a, like if you were hosting like a class on Spielberg, it's like, you should see this movie. And I kind of feel like that that's, that's my feeling on it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, more even more so than a Spielberg iconic thing it's a iconic thing for uh probably like cinematic history yeah he you know this is like one of like the earlier sci-fi I don't remember if it oh it came out like right around or right after Star Wars so it's like I think it's the same year yeah it's it's very close so it's like you have you know Star Wars, science fiction, fantasy, and then you have this, which is more kind of grounded in reality, and it's very Price different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what? I, you introduced me to the movie. I had never seen it before. I'm, I'm, I'm not as big a fan. I probably need more viewings of it. But uh, I like my Alien a little more, Xenomorph a little more. You know, <laughs> suspense than that. Uh, that's a good pick still. I mean, I, I get your reasoning behind it, but uh, I'm I'm shocked that we're going to have, I think the whole list is going to be, with the exception of honorable mentions, which don't really count, they're going to be uh, completely different, I think. I think I have your number one glued, but we'll see. But my number two is another film that you mentioned as an honorable mention. Mm. So it is 2002 caper film i would call it catch me if you can starring leonardo dicaprio tom hanks christopher walken uh i love this movie i think i saw it twice in the theaters wow it it, it's nothing it's nothing groundbreaking and if you you're picking the list based on steven spielberg taking chances and making something that is different much like close encounters then this is not that this feels to me like a Steven Soderbergh movie kind of, but I really enjoy the story and it's based on a true story uh, about Frank Abagnale and him uh, doing all these forgeries and, and being basically a con man and Tom Hanks chasing him down. And the story is really captivating. The, the score is really well done by John Williams, who is a frequent collaborator with spielberg and the everything i like everything about it it's just it's got a lot of quotes to it a lot of memorable scenes is this the first time hanks and him work together probably i think so no they work together in uh saving private ryan which is yeah, not on either of our lists but uh i i think we both like it it's one of your honorable mentions and it's it's a, it's a great film i think if people it's under it's a very under the radar movie. I don't think a lot of people realize that Spielberg even did it. And it's one that not a lot of people have checked out. And that's kind of why I didn't put it in my top three, because it's like it's a good movie and he directed it, but it's not like it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like he directed it. It's like, yeah, it's a good movie. 
know. it feels different from everything else he's done, at least the ones that we've seen. But it it does build good good tension. I feel like for a movie that's not really about that, it's a lighthearted film. There's no villain. It's not that kind of movie, you know. And you feel for both of them. You feel for DiCaprio and you feel for Hanks. And I mean, Hanks is chasing him the whole movie, but you still feel for him and kind of want him to catch him. And then there's scenes like you don't know if he's gonna catch him. And I, I think it does a really good job being its own thing. I feel the opposite. I kind of feel like you're rooting for DiCaprio to not get caught by this guy. He... Yeah, I think you get. I think you get a little bit of both at sometimes. But when he plays. Uh, the female lead who he's supposed to marry Martin Sheen's daughter. Mm-hmm. You ca- I think you feel, I think it's st- kind of starts to turn at that point. Like you're, you kind of rooting for Hanks at that point. And then you realize that Hanks has his best interest. And when, when DiCaprio's in France, you know, they're going to kill you, Frank, you go out there, they're going to kill you. He didn't, he didn't want to have him get, you know, he he's been chasing him for so long. He was a child when he started. Yeah. There, there definitely is like a dynamic shift at some point in the movie where, you know, in the beginning, you you kind of root for DiCaprio. Not that Hanks is like being like an antagonist, but right, he's just doing his job. Yeah, but then at some point, you kind of realize, you know, that you know DiCaprio is only going to get more, you know, bolder, and he's, you know, he can't really stop. He doesn't know how to. He's, you know, he's a kid at at that point. Right, and, then, and that's all he knows. Right, I mean, that's what he he leaves his family, and that's all he knows. That's his life. Yeah. I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's one of his best movies because I kind of feel like you could have, if you had like a somewhat competent director, you could have probably swapped Spielberg out. I mean, I don't know if you would have ended up with the same cast. That's another story, but it doesn't feel like he has any any touch on it. I think he does. That's what I was just going to say. I think he gives you a little bit of of his uh, master filmmaking. You know, maybe he doesn't have stereotypical things like Scorsese does in a lot of his movies. Like, he, like oh, you can tell that's a Scorsese shot. But I think he does give a Spielberg spin on it that some maybe lesser known director wouldn't have been able to do. And maybe he, the lesser known director wouldn't have been able to wheel in the performances that he got out of these actors. Even Christopher Walken, who hadn't done anything, like he does a great job as DiCaprio's father, and he's not in the movie a lot. But I think he even got nominated for an award as as DiCaprio's father for this. He he, and he does. He turns in a good performance, Walken. I will say that, like maybe it's regardless of it being Spielberg, it is Spielberg, so it doesn't matter. But this is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, I mean, that's probably why it is as high as it is on the list because. I mean, it does. It's not my one of my favorites because it's Spielberg. It's one of my favorites because I like the movie. So, it by default ends up on the Spielberg list. Wow, I I like it, but I don't I don't hold it to that kind of like echelon. I think as far as like caper movies, it's it's good. There's definitely better ones, but I mean, you know, I like it. I think I just... there's different ones. Yeah, I, and I know we'll 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 argue about this sort of thing. I know you like like the Sting. The Oceans movies, right? I mean, those you would consider yeah. uh, caper, but I think this is different still. There's no main antagonist, really. It's a different kind of feeling movie. It's much more lighthearted. The end of the movie takes place during Christmas, so I think you should get added to your Christmas rotation. It's, it, <laughs> it, it, it pops up sometimes. <laughs> so this is it. 
the best, the best Jerry, the the top pick for Spielberg. I'll let you lead off, which I, I can guess what it is already. Maybe it's Saving Private Ryan. Dan, it's definitely not Saving Private Ryan. No, it's Ryan. not. It's uh, it's Bruce the Shark, Jaws. I knew it. I knew it. <sighs> I am. I am. I'm not surprised that it's your number one, but I am super surprised something was omitted. But you can continue with this first. Okay. There's something about that movie. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it just, it's one of like his, it's obviously what I think is his best movie. It's, you know, man versus nature. And you have, you know, three guys, three different backgrounds trying to come together to defeat a machine of a beast. And even like the, like the authenticity of like the people that like are like the extras, they come off as like genuine, like you feel like they are from that, that area, like the Martha's Vineyard type area. A lot of them were, and you have that salty character of Quint and you have like the annoying preppy, you know, rich kid in Richard Dreyfus and the, you know, the cop who happens to be afraid of water and he lives on an island in Roy Schneider and they just, they all play off together so well. And the shark, which is very rarely seen due to circumstances, which... That works to the film's benefit. It does. I feel like if that movie was made today, you would have this fucking shark all over the place. Yeah. And it would not be as effective as it is when you just don't see the shark. What, and, what genre would you classify this movie? Because I've had discussion uh, with Julie over this. I would, I, would, I would consider it horror. Yes. That's, I agree. I, I think this is a horror movie. This is definitely more of a horror movie than Close Encounters, in my opinion. But the way they tease the shark, then when the shark does attack, it's horror to me. I mean, it's 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 the beginning of a horror suspense genre, really, that we'd grow to see in the 80s and, and now. I think it even, I mean, I think it works better at like as a horror movie than actual horror movies or like slasher films. You know, you have this unpredictable animal and it has really no motivations like against people. It's just right. like, it's just like what it is. The people are out on the beach, the shark goes after them. And it's very, like, very similar to alien. Yeah, it is. Which I, which is another one that I would consider more horror than sci-fi. Uh, it's, you know, it's got like the, the music by John Williams, like you said earlier, he basically his score in some respects is the shark. You don't right. see it. You just hear the music and you know that, that, that the shark's coming and you know, it works. The shark as an antagonist, it has no motivations. You know, the people are coming against it and the, like, they don't know what to do. 
you know, you have people from three different backgrounds and they don't, they, they need to like, you know, get their shit together to, you know, prevent these attacks from going. It's, it's got some amazing performances of these, of these characters, especially because Richard Dreyfus and uh, what the fuck is his name now? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the guy who plays Quint, Robert Shaw, don't know why I couldn't remember his name, <laughs> had some real life tension that kind of spills over into the movie. Yeah, I think you could kind of feel it in, in the movie. And Richard, uh, not Richard Dreyfus, Robert Shaw gets drunk on a regular basis. And they had to film that scene in the boat twice when he tells them about his World War II uh, activity. So half of that shot, half of that scene apparently is when they're drunk and half of it is when this guy's straight. Can't go That's, wrong it, with that. It's, it, it's a great movie. And I knew that it'd be up there for you. Uh, it is my only honorable mention. Uh, it, it's It was tough to not include it on the list just because of everything. It really hits on all the notes. It's a horror movie. I'm a fan of that genre. It, it, it was so unique of a story. It still holds up because of all the practical effects, which we haven't talked a lot about in the movies that we've, we've mentioned, uh, practical effects, you know, make it really stand the testament of time. I feel like, and like you said, the, the shark not being a budgetary, uh, affordable, I guess you would say for most of the movie makes it more elusive and, and you, you're questioning more when you're going to see it and, and when it's going to show up. And it makes you, it makes you like kind of work when you're watching the movie to imagine what, exactly is going on like you don't right. know you don't like in the beginning you don't know how big this thing is you, you have like no point of reference and then you kind of get like little peeks at it like throughout yeah. the movie it, and you're then, learning about the shark just like the people in the movie are no one knows the the audience knows just as much as the people there yes no it's great you, you did a great job selling it, it has me thinking if it should be the my number three and not and not hook but i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with my list all right well let's see what number one is <laughs> number one i cannot believe it was not anywhere to be mentioned even as an honorable mention for you i feel like i'm saying this for a lot of movies but this is one of my all-time favorite movies and i remember seeing this in the movie theater twice as well and as a nine-year-old kid seeing this and growing up imagining things that you would never see in real life it's similar to me that like when the first it, it's a bad connection but it, when the first transformer live action movie came out i was an adult at this point i couldn't believe that we're actually seeing live action transformers on the t on the on the movie screen you know i was always envisioned it would be a cartoon and this movie really brought my childhood to life and and no more uh foreshadowing it's jurassic park the first movie where we would see the closest thing to real dinosaurs or what we think is real dinosaur not a real dragon but what they really look like and i love this movie the practical effects in this which makes me tie back to jaws there is CGI in it, but the practical effects and the puppet dinosaurs makes this still look like a movie that could come out this this year. That's how well this this holds up. 
it's just such a great movie. This has this has some of the jaws suspense in it when when Ellie's going to turn back on the power in the power room and the lights are off and you know the raptor and it's just it's such a great movie. It's really I would probably put it in my top five of anything all, all time. I can't believe it's not even an honorable mention for you, honestly. But, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking on that one. Uh, it would probably eliminate Catch Me If You Can. If I, <laughs> if I had to like rethink I, this. I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was going to be your number two, and that was where we were going to somewhat have the same thing. I, I, I thought, uh, I didn't realize you were as big a fan as, of Close Encounters. But the, like Close Encounters has more of a fantasy element to it that, like, I feel like Jurassic Park doesn't because I don't know, I guess because I feel like we're probably closer to like Jurassic Park in real life than we are to than aliens to anything in Close Encounters. Yeah, at this point, I think we are. But when in 93, I didn't think anything like this could feasibly happen. And as a child to imagine that like this somewhat grounded story, oh, you got this mosquito and you pull out your blood and you make it and like, oh, this sounds like it could actually really happen. And for the most part, it seems like that might really be able to happen now based on, you know, some, some things you can read. But this is all time favorite. John Williams does the score of this as well. I mean, it's a running theme. This could be John Williams themed uh, best and worst also. <laughs> and he's done so many iconic themes and the Jurassic Park theme is still one they use. They use it in Jurassic World. They built on this original movie basically to make Jurassic World, which is almost like a remake of this to an extent. And I, lo- I love it. I can still go back to it. This is for me. This is like indie, like you said, if it's on and it's just like them getting to the island. If it's on late at night, I'm going to get stuck there and I'm just going to end up watching the whole thing because yeah, it's it, it, it hooks it's like you. that. Once you're in, there's no you're in like you're you're in on it. And there's not really a whole lot of slowdown to the movie. The dinosaurs are going to hook you. They're going to hook you. And that's just, that's all there is to it. <laughs> it's I I do. I do hold Jurassic Park very dear. I don't know why it's not in the honorable mentions. But I mean, Boo box. yeah, I don't like, I don't like, like it's very much grounded in reality and it almost feels like, I don't want to say it's like a, like a Jaws remake, but it kind of treads very similar storytelling threads. It's like man versus nature, except they're man's not taking on an animal per se. It's more like man's taking on nature itself. Yeah. And they're playing God. Yeah. And it goes sideways for them. And it's, you know, it's got, it's got its Spielberg touches with like, you know, the kids and, you know, Sam Neill wants nothing to do with them. And, you know, he's, the cast puts out a really good performance the CGI in it, like this, the effects hold up still. It's, it's like amazing how well they hold up still. Um, it's it's a really good movie. I I I don't put it in my top ones because I feel like I feel like there's like something missing from it. I I'd 
like, you know, I know it's a Spielberg movie, but I feel like there, I feel like there's some sort of element in there that's like, it's not quite there for that movie compared to the, compared to the other ones. I don't know what it is. I mean, I could sit down and watch Jurassic Park all the time. Yeah. But I mean, there, there's something about it that it's like, it does what it does a lot that makes it feel like Jaws is the Raptors. You don't see the Raptors really until the end of like late to end of movie, right? Because yeah. you have them in the cage showing up on the island when the movie opens with that hot open and huge. Ah! You don't really see you just see the flashes and the eyes. And then when they feed the Raptors and they drop in the, the, the cow, you don't see the Raptors either. So it's really building that mystique of seeing any dinosaurs at, at, at first, right? I mean, you see the the brachiosauruses, but you don't see any of the carnivores until you yeah. know. And I feel like there's there's a lot of that in the movie, whereas you know, like Jaws, they kind of do like the slow build up to the shark. In Jurassic Park, it's like they kind of do a slow build up, and then you see the brachiosaurus, and then they kind of do. Like they tease it again. So it's like they tease it. You don't see any of the dinosaurs on the, the you know, the tour until everything goes sideways and then the T-Rex right. shows up. And then it's like, you know, there's dinosaurs and then it's like you get to, you know, you get to the antagonist animal dinosaur that you didn't even realize was really the antagonist in that raptors that show up. Yeah. And then they figure shit out. They know how to open up the handicap doors, and <laughs> you know, it's. I think that I think that's where it does a, a good job of him not following the same formula, where he does almost uh, a little bait and switch and say like, "Oh, uh, uh, the dinosaurs are all going to start now." The Brachiosaurus, we're going to see them all now. And oh no, 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 pulls it back a little bit. We're not ready yet. We're not. We're not just like there's a little tease for you. You're not really ready yet for the the real the real main event. Yeah, I mean he does. He he goes he goes off formula. He's you know, he he plays the slow burn numerous times on all the dinosaurs. And I kind of feel like that's like like his compensation for like, you know, the big reveal. He has too much to reveal, so he can't you know, he has to sprinkle it through. And it's like you know, Jaws you see it like when they finally get together to take the shark down. In Close Encounters, you finally get that when the aliens actually come down on the mothership and you see them all. It's like Jurassic Park. It's like, you know, who's the big reveal? Everyone thinks it's a T-Rex. And then you see the T-Rex. And then you still got the raptors to contend with. And the raptors come out. Oh, the T-Rex is the hero. He's going to help the human beings get out. It's... It, it, it's one of his better works. I would probably rework this list a little bit, but I don't know. If, I don't know if my top three would, would shift around too much. That's fine. I think we should stick to it. We go with your gut always. And I think we made it just made for some really good discussion. I'm, I'm pretty impressed that we both did not have anything in our actual lists. Uh, so there was no duplicates of anything, but this was no a duels. fun, a no duel. This was a fun uh, best and worst. I say uh, if you enjoyed it, maybe uh, shoot us a comment. What do you think of your Spielberg uh, picks? If we're wrong, right? Do you agree, disagree, and what your your picks are? 
but I think <laughs> I think that will do it. Joe, any any closing thoughts for the best and worst uh, Spielbergo? Uh, no, I mean the guy's got a huge filmography to like kind of sift through, and right. you know, I guess it's just dependent on what you're exposed to. I mean, if you're exposed to his post two thousand stuff, go back because it's not that's not what to judge him by. It's not good. If you're gonna come out and think Ready Player One is like one of your top three Spielberg movies, you'd better reevaluate this guy's entire filmography. <laughs> Well, that's that'll that'll do it for this week, and uh, I, I think uh, I think that's it. Time, the ever flowing river. The the ride is better than Lost World, <laughs> the Jurassic Park ride. I I agree with you. And Spielberg gets to get off before the big drop. Who's got better than this guy? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs>